we have this persona or personas and we're putting out very innocuous content. We actually give these predators every opportunity to kind of bow out and say, oops, oh, you're 11, never mind. Right. We shouldn't be talking. Right. And instead, they keep coming back for more and they keep pressing the envelope. Welcome y bienvenidos to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. This week's podcast review comes from Riza underscore Pack, and I have to say this one actually made me cry. It was so touching and really lit me up because it reminds me that I am doing the work I am meant to be doing, and it is having an impact. So I truly do appreciate when you post a review especially something that is as authentic and genuine as this one. So here is the review. A beautiful gem and gift everyone needs. Rosalia Rivera blesses listeners with space to explore and heal. Every topic and guest is intentional. Their voice is warm and compassionate, and you can feel strength and empowerment with every single question and gem. This podcast is not only for survivors of healing, but also a must for anyone working in close proximity with people, educators, friends, partners, and families of survivors, and anyone who truly desires to become a better human. I highly recommend this to anyone who provides or needs free resources for survivors who may not have access to therapy. Personally, my favorite episodes I saved are episodes 8 and 10. Thank you for giving me hope and much-needed light in this long and daunting journey. Riza Pak, thank you so much again for this wonderful review and for taking the time to post it. I encourage all of you listening to please take a moment and post a review. It makes the world of difference to getting this podcast out there and creating consent culture. Now let's jump into our show. If you have kids, whether they are 5, 10, tweens, or teens, this episode is a must listen. This week, I have the pleasure of interviewing Titania Jordan, who is the CMO and Chief Parent Officer of Bark.us, an internet safety solution that helps parents and schools keep children safer across social media, text messaging, and email. As the former host of NBC Atlanta affiliate WXIA's weekly television show Atlanta Tech Edge, Titania has the honor of covering the latest in tech news and talent across both the city and the globe. Past roles also include serving as the CMO of KidsLink, co-founder and CMO of Privet, and executive director of Band of Coder Girls Academy. Titania travels the country serving as a tech expert and was named a tech innovator and mother of invention by The Atlantan in 2015. Titania is also the mom of a tween son, so has immediate uh, experience in what we're talking about this week, which is all about internet safety solutions. 
We talked about so many aspects of how to keep kids safe and including what to do if your kids have already been exposed to explicit material or predators. So you want to definitely listen to this all the way to the end because there's some really amazing information. I'm so excited to bring her here with you today. I know you're going to enjoy this. So without further ado, here is my interview with Titania Jordan. I am thrilled about today's episode. This is a topic that I think it's overlooked or shied away from because it seems overwhelming. And it's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about it today. And I have the pleasure of having Titania Jordan, who is the Chief Parenting Officer at Bark.us, and is going to come on to talk with us about what Bark is, what they do, how they help parents navigate the online world that their children are inevitably going to be navigating and how to keep them safe. And, you know, at the end of the day, that is what we want for our children is for them to have a safe childhood where they can, you know, explore and experience in a way that uh, keeps them from, you know, being in dangerous situations. So I'm really thrilled to have her here. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is just, it's an honor and a very, very timely and compelling topic that we have to address. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those listening, I I mean, I, I gave an introduction before of who you are and what you do, but can you talk a little bit just to lay some groundwork here of what Bark is, what it does, and uh, and how it helps parents. Absolutely. So let's start with the name. You know, Bark. That's what a dog does when a stranger approaches your home. And mm. so, much like that analogy, our tech company launched to help protect kids online. Um, what we do is we monitor over 30 social media platforms, text messages, and emails. And when our algorithm detects an issue, we will then send an alert, much like a dog barks, um, to parent or caregiver to let them know what happened and where. And not only do we send parents and caregivers alerts around problematic content and people their children have encountered online, but we also provide best recommended next steps for how to address. Excellent. Yeah. And I think that that's where parents get stuck. They're, they're like, what do I do if that happens? Right. Right. Um, Now, what I love about your, uh, your, your product is that it does more than just, it's not just this app. It also educates parents. Right. And um, I think that because there is so much out in, you know, the interweb with social media, um, I just recently uh, did a Facebook Live talking about two articles that recently came out. I don't know if you've read these or not, but they were about TikTok and Instagram and the accessibility that predators have to kids and how they were um, exploited in two, I think it was like two or three specific situations. And it showed the vulnerability and the accessibility. And I think with parents who are giving their children digital devices, a lot of times they don't create boundaries or they just don't know how to help their children navigate. Maybe the child, you know, downloaded an app that they weren't even 
aware of how to use and just all of, all of a sudden they got started and off they go. And the parent is, feels like they're, um, maybe not uh, savvy with, you know, all of these apps and they don't know how to help their child navigate safely. There's so much information around this that it can feel overwhelming. And I think that what's beautiful about your app is that it helps parents uh, reduce that overwhelm and give them an additional tool, right? It's like having another tool in your tool belt of how to keep your kids safe online. Can you talk a little bit about what the the current statistics are because I was reading a blog uh, article um, on your website and it ta- it said um, that there was a, sp- a study conducted by the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children that found that forty six percent of ten to seventeen year olds admitted to giving out their personal information to someone that they didn't know and this led to you know communication with adults who may have wanted to abuse them what are what are you seeing what is the the trend right now what are the statistics like how you know i mean the reason i discovered you was because i read the article in medium which i've shared on my facebook page which i'll also share in the show notes here for anyone who's interested in reading it uh it was alarming you know what what i read and i didn't realize how prevalent this is can you talk a little bit about that absolutely so you know one thing to keep in mind is that before the internet, the rate at which children were being sexually abused was already incredibly high. Uh, The latest stat that I have is one in four girls and one in six boys will, will be sexually abused by the time they're 18 years old. And that is taking into account in real life interactions. Mm-hmm. So then you give your kid a smartphone and access to social media and access to gaming platforms where predators are prevalent and those numbers increase dramatically. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that a child can be sexually abused without ever having been in the same person or in physical contact with the offending adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens through uh, the receipt and solicitation of photos and videos and harmful predatory language, abusive language, grooming language. There's just so much that can happen within a child's Instagram direct messages that if you are not keyed in as a parent or or savvy to what that means, you'll never know. You will absolutely never know. Right, right. Yeah, and and I think that one of the struggles that parents have is how do you recognize the signs? Can you talk Mm -hmm. about what kinds of things parents can look for that would give them clues as to this is potentially happening to my child? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, again, one thing to keep in mind is that now that your kids have access to the internet, um, know that predators can make contact almost anywhere, whether it's YouTube or TikTok or even places like Reddit or perhaps Fitbit community boards, hmm. even even in apps that seem perfectly innocent, you know, like WhatsApp, um, predators can live there. So just know that they're they're everywhere. They're not just in the the, the darkest places of the internet. Hmm. Um, and then, in terms of you know, how do I how do I know if that's happening with my kid? You know, keep keep overall behavioral indicators in mind. Has their appetite changed? 
Um, are their grades dropping? Are they asking to um, avoid school or other activities, perhaps sports uh, that they used to enjoy? Um, do they seem more withdrawn? Are they sleeping more? Are they sleeping less? Um, are they retreating to their room? And especially with tech, um, mm. do they always seem to have their smartphone by their bed? Which I would say as an aside, don't let your kids have devices in the room at night. Right. Um, it's just no nothing good happens there. We can go back to that in a minute. Um, also, if they do have a device with them, do they seem agitated when a notification comes in? Are they sending calls to voicemail? Um, or if they just seem protective or private with the tech, um, especially when you're around and you notice any change in behavior, it could mean online predators. It can mean other things, other mental health issues. But either way, pick up on that signal and, and look into it and get your child the help they need. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really important to note that th these signs can be other things, but you shouldn't dismiss that it's just other things. Like, you know, especially because there are definitely signs that you should be looking for. So, you know, once you see those, it's important to open up the lines of communication and then, you know, figure out, find out what's going on. Now, you're the mother of a tween. Um, yes. I find that, you know, just from experience that I've had talking to other parents of tweens, they are at an age where they start to want more privacy and they want to, um, you know, even if it's, you know, specifically, I guess, a teen would want more privacy as they get older and they kind of resist this idea of having their privacy, quote unquote, invaded by their parents. What do you say to parents who are experiencing that kind of, you know, resistance and what can they do? How, how does your app help? Like, ha have you found that that kids are not wanting these apps uh, like Bark, you know, installed on their phone? Like, how does that work and, and how do they how do you tell parents to help navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it can be a, a point of friction um, within families if they don't quite get what Bark does. And that's the beautiful thing about Bark is that we actually don't give parents full unfettered access to all their children's devices and accounts. For example, me signing up for Bark doesn't mean I can go into my Bark dashboard and see every single text message that my child has ever sent or received. What it does provide me is an alert when my child is being cyberbullied mm. or is the bully or perhaps is involved in some sort of sexual content exchange or is being approached by a predator um, or is maybe expressing uh, suicidal ideation, mm. et cetera. So, so again, Bark will alert parents to the things that I think any child would at the end of the day agree that their parents should know about. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of that, provide children the, the privacy they crave and the, the freedom that they need to become responsible digital natives. Um, one analogy that I think really helps uh, to put a frame around what we do is just you know, either a bicycle or a helmet. You, know, you give your kid the freedom to ride a bike, but they have to wear a helmet. They mm -hmm. have to protect their brains. And you don't let your kids ride in a car without seatbelt and driver's ed. But once they have those things, you don't follow behind them in your car <laughs> everywhere they go because um, that, that would be very helicopterish. And yeah. so same thing, same thing with a smartphone. You know, if, you, if and when you decide to let your child have a smartphone, um, 
it probably doesn't make sense to pick up the phone and comb, comb through every single app and every single communication that they're involved in. It's time consuming, it's cumbersome, and you probably still won't find the, the truly uh, most problematic things because mm-hmm. they will have deleted them or hid them. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is use a solution like Bark, get alerts to the things that matter, and then talk to your child in, in a very open and honest way. Um, if you get if you get a bark alert or if you get wind that your child is involved in something difficult, you know obviously the first reaction is to just take it away, take the phone away, remove the friend that is the problem, remove re- remove whatever bad thing is you know encountered your child. That's not always the best course of action. Mm-hmm. Instead, work together to address it. So, for example, somebody sent my child an inappropriate text, and instead of me saying, "Well, you just can't have a phone," we work together to figure out how, you know, how do we block this number? And do you have any questions about what that text said? I'm happy to tell you anything you might need to know. Uh, you know, No question is too embarrassing or shameful. I will give you a very honest answer and, and we'll move on. So it, there's just so many nuances to it. Yeah, yeah. And that's great advice too, because I think that when we take something away, it's just going to create a greater desire for it. And it really doesn't solve the problem. And I think that a lot of parents just either say, well, I'm just not going to allow my child to have a device, or I'm not going to allow my child to get on social media. And that's kind of unrealistic, because as they get older, I mean, you can have a teen who's got their own job and now they've decided to get their own phone. And instead of having the conversations that are going to help them learn how to navigate those kinds of things or come to you when they come across something that is uh, unsafe, now they're just, you know, uh, keeping things hidden or resisting telling you anything because they're afraid of your consequences, right? So I think it's right. so healthy to be open to the dialogues and to uh, inviting questions and inviting the support, you know, and saying, I'm here for you if if you need to talk about anything, right? Because mm-hmm. we want kids to, to know that they have a safety lifeline, right? So I think that's great. This episode is brought to you by Consent Parenting, my online platform for survivor parents to learn how to keep their kids safe from abuse. Did you know that children of survivors have a five times higher chance of being abused? Because survivor parents don't know or learn the tools to prevent abuse. They tend to overprotect instead of empowering and preparing. You can change the statistics by becoming an educated parent. Enroll in my Child Predator Protection Masterclass to learn the three things you can do to protect your kids from predatory online and offline grooming so that your kids are not targeted and you can prevent abuse. This is for parents with kids ages 2 to 18. Use code PODCAST to get 50% off this class by signing up when you go to aboutconsent.com forward slash protect. Link is in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. One of the things that I wanted to um, also talk about is the article on Medium that came out, I think it was in December. Um, yeah. And it was, so the, the headline, of course, is what, what grabbed me. It said, I, I'm a 37-year-old mom and I spent seven days online as an 11-year-old girl. Here's what I learned. And, you know, just for anyone who is interested in reading this piece, because I will also link this up. Um, there is a uh, a trigger warning that there is some you know sexual content and descriptions of 
of child sexual abuse um, that may be disturbing to some readers, which I always appreciate because as a survivor, sometimes these these pieces can be triggering. Just to filter it for the the listeners, if you don't want to, you know, read the article. Essentially, it is uh, someone from your organization who essentially uh, is going out and um, working on these behind the scenes sort of projects that you work with law enforcement to, I guess both, it's, it's almost in a sense research as well as helping these law enforcement organizations to um, arrest predators, right? And so you have someone who is posing as a, uh, a young girl to see what kind of feedback you're getting, what kind of response you're getting, how predators are uh, work, you know, working to groom or very outrightly abuse. Cause it, I mean, when I was reading this, it was just very, what, what was kind of shocking to me was just how unfiltered and straightforward they were with, uh, you know, trying to communicate with a young child. Can you talk a little bit about what, what goes on? Like, what is the, um, the mission behind this and, uh, how is, how is it, being, I guess, regulated in a sense so that you can find these kinds of predators, if that makes sense. (laughs) It does. Where to begin? I mean, you know, at Bark, we have escalated um, over 450 online predators to law enforcement. Mm. And again, this is across various social media platforms, both school-issued devices and accounts and family-owned devices and accounts. It's just so prevalent. And so we we already know the dark side of the internet and what exists and the propensity to which uh, predators will go to communicate with children. That said, um, you know, we publish blog posts. We would publish case studies. And I mean, the data is right there, mm-hmm. but it's, it's one thing to tell people that number. It's another thing to showcase from a per- first person perspective, what it is like to be an 11 year old on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and that is really what struck a nerve with America uh, of just, man, this is, this is just an 11 year old girl and she is just hanging out on Instagram posting puppy pictures and coffee cups and and very innocent selfies. And these people are coming out very forcefully um, and with no, uh, no qualms whatsoever about communicating with a child, a child that has yet to even enter puberty. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, you know, to be able to depict the conversations that were taking place the video calls, the explicit acts that were taking place in photos and videos between uh, a child and an adult, um, all within platforms that can do better and should do better, mm-hmm. and all under the roofs of homes where families have the best intentions, and if they knew it was happening, they would lose their minds. Um, you know, it was just very eye-opening. And not only that, but I think it also helped to to shed light on the fact that a predator is anyone. I, you know, you know that, and I know that, and a lot of the survivors listening know that. But it's not just some creepy dude living in their mother's basement. It's there are doctors, there are lawyers, there are pastors, there are teachers, there are coaches, um, there are 
men that have their own children and families. And um, so just the fact that it really truly could be anyone, uh, there's no stereotype for a predator other than it is typically a male um, is, is quite shocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, one of the things that I think a lot of, uh, you know, at, when I did the live video talking about social media safety and, and really a lot of it is about educating parents on social media literacy. I, I was getting some feedback that was saying, well, parents shouldn't let their kids, you know, be on there or parents should have, you know, taught their kids about privacy settings. And the truth is that, yes, while that may be true, it's not always the case and it's not always possible. And kids do also you know, tinker with things and decide, well, I'm going to try it without it being private because I want to see how many followers I get or, you know, whatever the case is. And then all of a sudden they've, they've been opened up to this whole other experience. And what do you say to parents who are, you know, sort of blaming the apps or blaming the, the, the world in a sense, instead of, uh, you know, saying, well, this is just, unfortunately, the reality of the world we live in. And yes, we do need to educate our kids. And yes, we do need to um, have boundaries around how they utilize those apps. But there are other ways that kids are being exposed that is, you know, even through a peer-to-peer interactions. So I think that's one of the reasons why why you were saying it, it can be through WhatsApp, it can be through text messaging. Um, how do you what is it that parents should be addressing right off the bat when a child does get a mobile device or a a device that's connected to the internet? What are some of the first things that they should be doing to help reduce these incidences? Yeah. So I'm going to address the first part of what you touched on, which is just that even if you do not let your child have a smartphone or an iPad, and even if you, you know, say no social media, um, chances are they're going to encounter it on the school bus, mm-hmm. at school, at a friend's house, because other kids do get access um, with or without their parents' knowledge. Um, and you know, and you don't even have to have the Instagram app to see content on Instagram. You can open a browser right now. You know, open your Safari button or your Google Chrome button or what have you. Type in Instagram.com/slash/someone's username. You can see their content. Mm. You can see the comments, and so. Um, that just speaks to the the digital literacy or lack thereof of of parents, mm-hmm. um, and so it it goes much more. It goes way beyond that. Now that said, what do you do as a parent? So for me, um, I decided that my son was uh, old enough to have a smartphone, uh, given we had gone over you know the tech talk multiple times. We have talked about online predators. We have talked about. PII, that's personally identifiable information, and how nobody online needs to know his name, his birth date, where he lives, where he goes to school, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the fact that nobody should ever see body parts of yours uh, on the internet, no photos, no videos, nothing. That that content does not get uh, captured or distributed. Um, and so, you know, we, we've been having these conversations all along. So we landed on the fact that, yes, he could have a smartphone, but uh, right now his smartphone is an iPhone. I actually prefer the Android operating system, and Androids are actually a safer first phone 
for a kid, uh, it's easier to monitor. And the Google Family Link parental controls are baked in and they're free and they're a great complement uh, for any family that that is going to give their child a, an Android phone. Mm. But I, iPhone also has parental controls. It's called um, Screen Time. It's free. And so with that, I have it set up where if my son wants to download an app, he has to press a button and request that I approve it. Mm. So whether it's Google Earth or you know Angry Birds or, or what, anything, I get a notification on my phone, which is also an iPhone, and I can either approve it or deny it. Mm-hmm. And so that's one, one layer of protection that is key. That way, if he wants to download a Snapchat or Instagram, <laughs> I can say, deny. Right. <laughs> you are 11. That is under their terms of service. Not going to happen. Right. Um, and even when he's 13, honestly, I, I can't speak to it because I'm not there yet and I've never had a 13-year-old. But given what I know about what happens with kids in social media, just surrounding mental health, let alone uh, pornographic encounters, um, I just don't think it's the right right thing for him. You know, mm-hmm. if he wants to text his friends, he can. Um, so yes, and, and also within the settings of an iPhone, you can limit uh, access to content. So I can make it so that he can only browse sites that are of a you know a PG nature or a you know youth seven nature or whatever. You can, you can toggle content restrictions as well. Mm-hmm. And you can also control screen time. You can say, look, I want this device to, to not be able to access the internet, you know, after 10 PM at night and, and before 6 AM in the morning. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things you can do with, with smartphones. There's a lot of free baked in parental controls. The only thing there, the, the thing that's lacking there is again, the content. So Children can find a, round, a way around certain parental controls. They can stumble upon problematic content, even with the best intentions and filters in place. Um, and so that's why we also have Bark on his phone, because if he is engaged in a conversation or encounters certain issues online that the filters don't catch and that the screen time doesn't, doesn't prevent, Bark will send me an alert. Uh, and not only with the problem and who is involved, but also with steps for, all right, how do you deal with this? How do you address pornography? How do you address suicidal ideation? How do you address online predators? It's not easy. It's, it's as you mentioned, the very beginning of, of this podcast is that, you know, for survivors, for parents who are survivors of abuse, it's very difficult to address. Some want to almost talk about it too much because they want to make sure it never happens to their kid and other parents don't even know how to begin to deal with it because they haven't gone through the necessary therapy and and completed their own path to healing. Um, Those who have not been affected by this issue, again, it's just so, there's so much stigma, so much taboo surrounding just sexuality in general that how the heck do you talk about this with a nine-year-old, you know? And so there's a lot to overcome there. Yeah. But- you have to do it because our children are encountering this type of content more frequently and at a much younger age than we ever did as children. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That I think that that is, is so great. It's so important to, you know, be able to have all of those different controls. I recently read a book by Mindy McKnight called Viral Parenting. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a fantastic book. I recommend it. I actually did um, a a YouTube video about it. And one of the things that she recommends, um, she's a YouTuber and has uh, basically 
almost raised her children uh, very publicly and through her YouTube channel. Now her, her kids have their own. And she felt that it was really important to have, uh, you know, obviously boundaries around what they could and couldn't do and how to be safe and, you know, how much content or private uh, content you're allowed to post uh, about your life, you know, if you're living it online in a sense. And one of the things that she recommended, and I think she has a, a template almost of it on her website, is a contract that you create with your child um, around, you know, that that has parameters around what you can and can't do. And I think that that's a wonderful complement to what your product does um, to just have that extra layer and also uh, a collaboration between the parent and child uh, as to say, you know, th this is a device that requires a lot of responsibility and, and these are these are the parameters around that. So um, just for, you know, parents who want to find ways to communicate in a way that feels less scary, <laughs> like just to have mm -hmm. the conversation sometimes if you craft, uh, in a sense, this, this safety contract, this digital device contract um, that, that says, you know, if you are going to be using this device, here are the responsibilities and ways that it's it's important to use it, along with these uh, obviously really important safeguards that can be uh, implemented using technology, you know, to, to help with the technology. So I think that, you know, that's great. And one of the things that I wanted to ask, uh, because in the article, the Medium um, article where there was all of this, um, I mean, like, it seemed like it was like a sting operation, but I don't, I mean, it wasn't like you guys are doing anything that is um, entrapment. Like people would say, oh, that's entrapment, but it wasn't at all. It, it was like where you're just working with law enforcement agencies to uh, like filter out these people. Is that accurate to say? We work very closely with law enforcement every step of the way so that we don't um, fall into the entrapment camp. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the thing is, is that we have this persona or personas and we're putting out very innocuous content. We actually give these predators every opportunity to kind of bow out and say, oops, oh, you're 11. Never mind. Right. We shouldn't be talking. Right. And instead they keep coming back for more and they keep pressing the envelope and we don't, um, we don't pursue it. Uh, we only engage when engaged. Yeah. Um, and so, again, we've been advised and worked closely with law enforcement as to how to go about this sort of communication. Yeah. Um, and so we, we follow that protocol very carefully and, um, you know, are, are learning from it as a company, you know, in order to get firsthand insight into how these predators communicate with kids. Um, you know, it helps to train our algorithms and – we're able to be what I'd say is the the savviest when it comes to picking up on that language and then alerting parents yeah. much sooner uh, than any other yeah. platform. No, that's that's fantastic. And the the reason that I ask about that um, and, and bring up the article again is because I think that there are two aspects to how predators are communicating with children that parents need to be aware of. And one is that there is this one aspect where it's this really direct, aggressive, like straightforward communication. And then on the other end is grooming, which can take place over time where there is a predator who is 
um, creating, you know, a relationship of trust with the child. And that can obviously turn into uh, an abusive situation. And I think parents are don't realize that that's the other end of how kids can get manipulated into unsafe situations. Can you talk a little bit about what online grooming is and looks like? And how do you talk to your kids about what that is and what to look for? You know, the, the first thing to to get on a child's radar at a, at a young age is just the concept of tricky people. Um, the fact that some kids, some predators that are online um, pretend like they're somebody your age and they're actually not. They, they're trying to trick you. And so just, just giving children that frame of reference that there's more to the internet than what you see. Mm-hmm. There's always potentially a, a backstory there. Helps them to grow wise in their analysis of, of any situation. Um, then, you know, letting them know that these tricky people like to make you feel good. They like to send you gifts and pay you compliments and form a relationship with you um, in order to gain control of you, not only your emotions, but your actions. Their whole goal is is, is a takeover. Um, and so framing it again as not, you know, mommy and daddy want to control your communications. It's mommy and daddy want to empower you to always stay in control mm-hmm. uh, is a great way to frame it. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, exactly. I'm very much about empowering, exa- you know, through education. And so I absolutely agree with you. And one of the things too that I find a lot of parents are afraid of, you know, they think they're going to scare their child by saying, you know, there's there's dangerous people out there. But the way that I always recommend to frame it is that, like you said, there's tricky people. And you can use even examples from media that children are familiar with. Uh, one example I like to use all the time is the character in Frozen, who's the the prince who ends up being like a bad guy, you know, that's a tricky person, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm going to use that. That's so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's characters that we can point to in, you know, books, stories, media that kids um, already are familiar with and understand. And then it helps frame them in a, in a not so scary way, just so that they understand that that is something that's out in the world, right? And to to just be more critical thinkers. So yeah, I love that. And, and it's a, an example that I like to teach parents to talk about in real life, but it's also important as equally important uh, with the online digital world, right? So what, mm-hmm. uh, what are ways that, you know, because I mean, this is something that seems to have started also with chat rooms, with video games and things like that. Um, for older kids who have been, you know, using these kinds of spaces, what do you recommend parents say to them? Or is it very similar kind of, you know, be careful who's uh, who you're communicating with and limit how much, you know, you're, you're saying? Is it similar to that? And, and should they um, really only be talking to people that they know? And yeah. Yeah, uh, you touched on a lot of it already. And thank you is that, you know, really, they should not be communicating with anyone online that they don't know in real life. And I I really mean that it doesn't, you know, if, if their friend is friends with somebody, and they haven't met them, 
they should not be friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, it's just playing it safe. Um, and also letting them know about things that have actually happened to other kids their age. You know, uh, unfortunately, a quick Google search will turn up a lot of unfortunate stories where there was not a happy ending, mm-hmm. where a child communicated with somebody who they thought there was their friend on a gaming platform or a chat app or social media and ended up uh, not being alive anymore. Mm-hmm. And so um, showing your your children if, uh, in an age-appropriate way is they can handle it that Unfortunately, there are kids that have gotten tricked, that that have trusted when they shouldn't have, that kept it a secret because they thought they might lose their phones or their parents wouldn't approve, and it, it turned out very badly for them. So, yeah. um, letting letting them know kind of what what's really out there, um, also letting them know that that sexual abuse is never a child's fault. Like a lot of children will have guilt and shame and fear, even if they didn't solicit anything, if they just received something, let them know that it's, it's not their fault. Um, yeah. And, and you've always got their back. Yeah. You know, you are always there for them. You will get through it together. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to fight and it's something to work together to prevent. Um, Absolutely. And so that's, yeah, that's really key there. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's a, a such an important point as well because that a lot of times will be something that a predator uses to say, well, you you know you're already implicated, so you're you're just as guilty and you're going to be blamed for this or something. So I think that's also a really important point to to highlight with kids. Now that brings me actually to the the last question that I had, which was, what do you do if your child has been um, groomed or they have, you know, been given, uh, inform or explicit, uh, communication that is harmful for them. What is this, what are the steps that a parent should do at that point? Thank you for asking. Yeah, we, we aim to help all parents and caregivers just be able to deal with these really tough issues. And so if your child, uh, is a victim or has been a victim, um, first, Thing to do is to um, let them know. Just, just thank you. Thank you for coming to me with this. Thank you for letting me know because now that I know, I can help you, and we'll get through this together. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing is is get as much evidence as you can. Screenshots, um, writing down the usernames, uh, timestamps of when things happened um, is key because the second that you block one of these predators. Um, that evidence could go away. Mm. The second that you report this evidence to the social media platforms or law enforcement, um, depending on how that goes about getting back to those entities, it can sometimes tip off the predator and then they go dark. Mm. Um, And so it's key to get the evidence first. Once you get the evidence, then you need to go uh, to law enforcement. I say go to law enforcement first before the social media platform Mm. because – uh, social media platforms are so big that a lot of times their automated solutions for dealing with this, again, can make the evidence go away and and tip the predator off that that you're on to them. Right. So go, go to your local law enforcement, let them know what happened, let them put in a subpoena or whatever they need to do to, to get even more information about this predator. Then once they give you the green light, um, go to the social media platform block, report, et cetera, so that hopefully uh, these predators can't impact other children. Right. And then, and then most of all, uh, make sure your child gets the support they need. Um, as a 
a survivor of childhood sexual abuse that did not get um, therapy for it until over 30 years later. Um, you may say you're fine. Your child may say they're fine. I said I was fine, but you're you need you need to talk to somebody about this. Mm -hmm. This can impact your life, and um, so your children need need help and support and therapy. Again, even if they never were in the same room with this person, um, just dealing with what they may have seen or encountered or felt, it's important to be able to talk through these issues with a professional who is trained to help them with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic advice. And I'm glad that you pointed that out about going to law enforcement before blocking or deleting, um, because this isn't uh, only going to, you know, prevent it from happening again to your child, but to others. So I think that that mm -hmm. is really important and a way for for that person to be um, taken off uh, and, and dealt with in the appropriate ways so they're not hurting other people. So, wow, that was, I mean, I think that what you um, and your organization are doing is fantastic. How can people find you? How can they connect with your, uh, with your technology and your app and, and learn more about everything that you're doing? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Um, it's super easy to, to connect with us. You just go to www.bark, like a dog barks, .us. Really important to note, it's not a .com. <laughs> it's bark.us. That's our site. Um, on there are, are really simple instructions for um, you know how to get started with monitoring your child. We offer a free seven-day trial. Um, we also have an, a, a wonderful blog with a ton of resources for you that are absolutely free. And then obviously contact information is on there. Um, if you want to contact any member of our team, including myself, you can just email help at bark.us, um, ask to speak to Titania or, or whoever you'd like, and um, we'll get you routed to the right place. Awesome. And just a quick question. Is this an app that is only for the U.S. market or is this something that anyone can use? So we are currently um, available for the U.S. Obviously, a parent in any area of the world can download or sign up for our software um, and connect their children's devices and accounts uh, where it works for them. Um, outside of a you know U.S. phone number, um, but for now our focus is is the U.S. market. Okay. Um, we are we are looking to expand globally um, very very soon because this is a global need, mm -hmm. and so that's yeah that's coming soon. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you so very very much for taking the time and going through all of these uh, different scenarios and, and answering, um, because I know that a lot of parents, this is this just feels so overwhelming, and but it doesn't have to be. And I love that you're helping make that easier. And uh, again, your blog is fantastic. I highly recommend that. So I'll be putting all of the links in the show notes for all the listeners. Uh, definitely check it out, educate yourselves and empower your children. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listeners, if you enjoyed this and you got amazing takeaways, please do share this. Tag us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and you have uh, some Instagram platform. Is that correct? You're also on social media that parents can follow you. Absolutely. Yeah, you can find Bark and myself 
in all the social places. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we're, we're everywhere. <laughs> perfect. So again, I'll link all of those up. But uh, yeah, feel free to screenshot this and tag us and let us know what were your best takeaways? What what empowered you? What can you share with others? What can you what conversations can you create within your community, within your, the parent community that you uh, that you live with? And be able to empower others with this information. I think that it does take a village and the more that we can spread this kind of information, the more that we can keep our kids safe. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode. Don't miss the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And I would be so grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and reviews on iTunes so that others can also find this information. I will be shouting you out and thanking you on the next episode. If you found this useful, be sure to share it with others as well. Let's continue to create consent culture, one conversation at a time. Stay empowered.